This is Getting to Know Your Bible, a program dedicated to the proclaiming of the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's Billy Lambert. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Today we lift up Jesus Christ as the hope of mankind. This is Billy Lambert thanking you for tuning in to watch Getting to Know Your Bible. We do appreciate those of you who may be watching today for the very first time. And of course, we do appreciate those who watch every time we're on the air. Today, our theme is entitled, He Lives. He Lives. Stay tuned as we discuss it. Now today, we continue to offer the free Bible Correspondence Course. We'd like for you to have the course. We'd like for you to, first of all, know more about it. And then, secondly, we would like for you to know how to receive it. In order that you might get that information, we'd like to pause for just a moment. To help you in your study of the Bible, we want to send you this Bible Correspondence Course. This course is non-denominational. It's based on the Bible. It's conducted by mail, and it's free. To receive this course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama, 36580, or call toll-free 1-877-711-5214. Today our theme is entitled, He Lives. And to give a basis for our discussion and a starting point, I'd like to read from the 19th chapter of Job, verses 25 and 26. For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. I like that expression. I know that my Redeemer lives. You know, there have been many dark days in the history of the world. It was a dark day in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve sinned. With their eyes wide open, they marched into sin. And as a result, sin and suffering entered into the world. It was a dark day in the history of the world when God made a decision to destroy the earth with water. God came to the decision because the world was filled with violence and sin. And God said, enough is enough. He said, the end of all flesh has come up before me. And God destroyed the world, all except Noah, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. It is a dark day when someone is stricken with a terrible illness. And they are confined, not just maybe to the hospital, they might be confined to home or to some nursing facility. And so it is a sad day and a dark day when we hear the sounds of war all over the world. Yes, there have been many dark days in the history of the world. But the darkest day of all 
was the day that the Lord Jesus Christ died upon the cross. Jesus Christ died upon that cross and He was nailed to the cross from uh, 9 o'clock in the morning until 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Jesus Christ was upon the cross of Calvary. And finally He was taken down and put inside of a new tomb wherein man had never been buried. Three days later, Jesus Christ came forth from that tomb triumphant over death and the grave. Jesus died, but why? Why did Jesus die upon that cross? Let me just give you some three, perhaps four reasons Jesus died. He died to give us a new law. In doing so, He did away with an old one. Colossians 2 and verse 14 says, Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances, which was against us, which was contrary to us, taking it out of the way, nailing it to His cross. So Jesus abolished the old to give us a new. It had been predicted through Jeremiah, in Jeremiah chapter 31, verse 31 through verse 34, that the days would come that God would give a new covenant to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. He said, Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. This is not the law that was given at Mount Sinai. It would be a new law. And when Jesus Christ died on the cross, Jesus gave the last will and testament. And we refer to it today as the New Testament. Look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 15 and following. And for this cause, He is the mediator of a New Testament, that by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under the first covenant, that they which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is a force after men are dead, Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So you see, when Jesus died, He gave us His will, His last will and testament. And it was on the day of Pentecost, recorded in the second chapter of Acts, that the apostle Peter announced the conditions of that will. Today, all of the blessings of salvation that we enjoy are upon the conditions of that will. Jesus died to give us His last will and testament. Jesus died for His bride, that's the church. Listen to Ephesians 5, verse 25. And your husbands love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for her. Jesus died for His bride. He shed His blood to make the church a reality. But He also died to become our Redeemer. Now, a redeemer is a person who would buy a slave with the thought of giving that slave freedom. Jesus Christ indeed is our redeemer. Job says, I know my redeemer lives. Jesus lives. Let me ask you, what kind of redeemer is Jesus? Well, first of all, he is a redeemer who fulfilled prophecy and prediction. The Old Testament is literally filled with prophecies and predictions. There are more than 300 prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus Christ. In Luke, the 24th chapter, in verse 44, Jesus said the things that had been written about Him in the law 
and in the Psalms and in the prophets must be fulfilled. And they were fulfilled. He is a Redeemer who fulfilled all of the prophecies made about Him in the Old Testament. But Jesus also is a Redeemer who came for the purpose of serving man. The shortest uh, summary of Jesus' life is in the 10th chapter of Acts, verse 38. He went about doing good. And there's no one that can compare with the service Jesus rendered to mankind. But not only is He a Redeemer who served man, He is a Redeemer who died for all. And in fact, He did. In Hebrews chapter 2 and in verse 9, Paul said, He, by the grace of God, tasted, tasted of death for every man. You see, Jesus died for Every man. That means that he died for you and that he died for me. I want us to look at a passage in the book of Galatians, chapter 1 and verse number 4, where Paul is talking about what Jesus did when he went to the cross of Calvary, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So Jesus died for all. He gave Himself for our sins. And that means that He died for my sins. My sins put Jesus upon that cross. But Jesus is a Redeemer who not only died, He is a Redeemer who rose from the dead. All men throughout the ages have have had some anticipation of life beyond the grave. And all men, the savage, the civilized, the educated, the uneducated, have had some anticipation of life to come. And it is Jesus Christ who tells us that there is life to come. Of course, the, old, the Bible teaches there's going to be a future resurrection. But, but any person who goes to home to heaven beyond the grave will go there because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by the power of God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 4 reads, Declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. Jesus has been raised from the dead. Matthew 28 and verse 6 is a statement that is so interesting to me. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of going to what people refer to as the Holy Land or the Bible Lands. And the guide that we had took us to what is thought to be the tomb of Jesus. And I remember standing there before that open tomb and I took out a little New Testament I had. And I turn to Matthew, the 28th chapter and verse number 6, where it is said, He is risen. And I made the comment to some that were standing nearby. I said the important thing about all of this is that if this is His grave, He's not here. He indeed is risen.
You know, we live in a marvelous age. We live in a day of high technology. And when I hear some of the things that almost daily you hear about something new that's, that's, that's coming out, some new form of technology. And it's just absolutely amazing that you can take a little instrument in your hand called a telephone and you can text someone on the other side of the world and just almost instantly they get your message. Oh, we're living a marvelous age. We live in what some refer to as the space age. And we're not doing quite as much in space exploration as we have in years gone by, but we still do some of that. And we've lost astronauts when they would try to go out into space. And as intelligent as all of those people are, the engineers and others who helped to put the space program together, I remember, remember the day that we lost some in an explosion as the, as the ship was taking off. Hadn't gone very far. And their lives were snuffed out. And the people on the ground felt so helpless and so hopeless because there was nothing they could do for them. You see, they may be intelligent, but mankind has not yet devised a method of bringing someone back from the dead. But God Almighty has that power. Ephesians 1.19 says, According to the working of His mighty power, His mighty power, which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Jesus Christ, the divine Son of God, came into this world of sin and, and suffering and sorrow. He lived a life of poverty. He said he, that the foxes have their holes, the birds have their nests, the Son of Man hath not where to lay His head. Yes, He did live a life of poverty. And then He was rejected by men. He came to His own and His own received Him not. And finally Jesus was taken and He was put on trial and He was found guilty even though He was an innocent man. And He was taken out to Golgotha, the place called the Skull, and crucified. And then He was placed in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea Three days later, he came forth from that tomb, triumphant over death, hell, and the grave. In Romans 1 and 4, Paul said, Declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead. My friend, Jesus lives. He is alive. Well, I'm aware of the fact there are people that don't believe that. First of all, they do not believe Jesus is God's Son. They do not believe that when He died that He was resurrected. And there are various ideas or theories about what happened to the body of Jesus. One such idea or theory is that, that Jesus, in fact, did not die on that cross, but He fainted. Then when they took his body down and put it in a damp tomb, that he revived. And then after he revived, then he rolled the stone away and he escaped from the tomb. And people only thought that he had been dead and only thought that he was raised from the dead. 
Well, that's a very fanciful idea about what happened to the body of Jesus. But I want you to think about all the excruciating torture and pain and suffering that Jesus went through prior to this. But think about how he was beaten and scourged in, in Pilate's judgment hall. Think about how he was, what happened to him out at Golgotha when they drove nails into his hands and into his feet. And he hung up on that cross. And finally there was a soldier came and pierced his side. And from that wound there came forth blood mingled with water. And then finally gentle hands took his body down from that cross and placed that body into the tomb of Joseph. There was a mammoth stone rolled against that, the mouth of that tomb. This, this stone would have been more uh, like a big wheel that was fashioned to roll in, in, the, toward, in front of the mouth of that tomb. And it is thought that those stones could have weighed as much as 2,000 pounds. Now, my question for the person who thinks that Jesus just fainted and revived is this. How could a person in such a weak condition as our Lord must have been, he was in such a weak condition that on the way to Golgotha, he actually fell beneath the weight of the cross. Simon had to carry the cross on to Calvary. How could he have the, the stamina to roll that stone away from the mouth of the tomb? How could he have the ability to overcome those soldiers that were stationed just outside who were given the charge, make it as sure as you can. That is talking about the tomb of Jesus. And they knew that if they let him out, if he escaped, if those disciples stole the body, or if the body was not found, they could have lost their lives. How could he do that? Well, the fact is Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. And Jesus Christ was buried in that tomb. And he was raised from the dead by God's mighty power. According to the work of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, Ephesians 1, 19 and 20. Another idea that people have about his body, that he really was an imposter and he did not really was not really raised from the dead, they say, well, you know, his enemies stole his body. But in the first place, his enemies had him where they wanted him. They wanted him in the grave. And what motive did they have for taking his body? They had no motive. Well, somebody says, well, the friends of Jesus must have taken his body. No, the friends of Je Jesus were falling afar off at this point. That the friends of Jesus weren't expecting him to be raised from the dead. And they had no motive for taking his body. Do you think people who would follow afar off while the Lord was alive would risk their lives to take the body of a dead man? That just doesn't make sense. The fact is he died on the cross he was buried in that tomb, and he was resurrected just like the Bible teaches. I know another idea that people have about what happened to the body is that people had some, well, they just hallucinated. They, the people just thought they saw Jesus' body after the supposed resurrection. 
Now that's a very fanciful theory. I want you to think about this. It's possible for a person to imagine they see something and it's not true. I think that's possible. I remember early one Sunday morning, I'm traveling down an interstate on my way to a preaching appointment and I saw what appeared to be in the distance a hitchhiker. Well, I almost could see the thumb sticking in the air. But you know what it was when I got close enough to really see what was there? It was nothing more than a sign beside the road. You may imagine you see something you don't really see. I suppose it's possible for two people to imagine the same thing. Now think about this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus Christ not only was seen by the disciples of the Lord, and Paul said, last of all by me, he was seen by over 500 brethren at one time. Did all of them hallucinate? Did all of them imagine they saw Jesus? The fact is there's so much evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. One man of another century, he was a great attorney, he said the evidence for Jesus' resurrection is overwhelming. Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus lives. He lives. And He is alive today. He ever liveth. Hebrews 7 and verse 25. You say, well, why do you suppose we ought to be concerned about His resurrection? Well, what is there about His resurrection that is so important that, that we, we take time to even talk about it now? Well, the one reason that we ought to be concerned about it is Jesus' resurrection tells me that He's the only one I can trust with my soul. He's the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ is the only one I can trust with my soul. I can't trust men. I love people. I love all mankind, but I'm not going to trust them with my soul. I trust Jesus because He is my Savior. He is my resurrected Savior. And we ought to be concerned about it because His resurrection tells me that when I die, that's not the end of it. Oh, no. We have victory over death because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, somebody says, Billy, what, what's so important about Jesus' resurrection? Why is His resurrection important? Well, Jesus' resurrection gives us a new day to think about. His resurrection gives us the, the first day of the week. As a matter of fact, in Luke chapter 24 and verse 1, we learn that Jesus' resurrection occurred on the first day of the week. And it was upon the first day of the week that the New Testament church had its beginning, according to Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. That verse says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, Pentecost occurred on the first day of the week. And John in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10 said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. And the Lord's day is that day in which He was raised from the dead 
by the power of God today, we worship on the Lord's Day. This is the day that saints come together all over the world to commemorate the death and the suffering of Jesus by, by the observance of the supper of the Lord. When the, upon the first day of the week, we're told in Acts 20, verse 7, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, read it and apart on the morrow. Jesus' resurrection is important because it tells us that, that Jesus is the one who is our contemporary. Jesus is our daily helper. He ever lives to make intercession for us, Hebrews 7, 25. And His resurrection is important because it tells us that we can face the future without dread or without fear because Jesus defeated death. And His resurrection is important because of that resurrection, I can live more abundantly. Some people are not getting the most out of life. They're, they're going through life almost at half speed. It's Jesus who gives us purpose for life. Jesus in John 10 and verse 10 said, I am come that men might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. It is when we surrender our lives to His divine will that we can enjoy that abundant life. Paul, in writing to the Romans, said, Know ye not that so many of us, as we're baptized into Christ, we're baptized into His death, therefore we're buried with Him by baptism into death. That that like as Christ, like as Christ, was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father. Even so, we also should walk in newness of life. And it's when we as a believer in Jesus Christ, a penitent believer in Jesus Christ, a confessing penitent believer in Jesus Christ, submit to water baptism that we can arise from the waters of baptism to walk in newness, newness of life. The resurrection is important in the lives of of us all. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is so important. Somebody says, well, Billy, I'd just like for you to tell me briefly why Jesus was raised. He was raised, friend, that you might live. Would you obey Him today? I want to thank you for watching today. And until we meet again, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you is my prayer. We want to help you as much as possible in your search for a personal relationship with God. You can now easily access our free Bible correspondence course online at gettingtoknowyourbible.org. If there's any way we can help you grow closer to God, please email us at knowyourbible@golftel.com or call us anytime at 1-877-711-5214. Getting to Know Your Bible has been presented by Churches of Christ, 
If you have a question about the church, or if you would like the location of a Church of Christ near you, or to receive the free Bible course, write to Getting to Know Your Bible, P.O. Box 314, Summerdale, Alabama 36580, or call 1-877-711-5214. Join us next time for Getting to Know Your Bible. Please,